What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. So I'm going to start here. Um, and I'm going to take my glasses off. I have to tell you, if you watch my episodes on YouTube, which I talk about a lot, but recently I did like a screenshot because Celeste puts all of my episodes to YouTube and I was like, okay, it's time to kick it up a notch, put on some makeup, put on a dress. (laughs) Don't put your hair in a ponytail. But I was telling my guests today before I started, I was racing to get ready. So I didn't do that great of a job with makeup and my hair is wet. But still, you can head on over to YouTube and you can watch my episodes. Um, I also wanted to touch on the fact that it was Mother's Day this past Sunday. And I mean, there's two days of the year that are glorious. One is my birthday and one is Mother's Day. And really, if you're a mom, which I know my guest is, it's... um, (laughs) It is the two days that I even prepped my husband the day before. And I said, you can't be mean to me right now. It's Mother's Day. And he said, no, 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 no. It's not Mother's Day yet. So I know for those two full days, I can just sit on my tuchus and not do anything at all and just get away with whatever I want to do. So I had a glorious day. I went to church, love going to church on Sundays. Uh, My family came with me. Um... And then we went to a really nice lunch and then I played pickleball because now I think I'm really into pickleball out of just playing. I've played two times and now I, I, my husband bought me a racket and everything. So I think I'm great at it and I'm awful. Um, but other than that, it was a really nice mother's day. My 13 year old was nice to me for a full 24 hours. So can't really beat that. Right. And That concludes my little brief story, but I will tell you that uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Part of the reason I'm doing the kind of the series I'm going to be doing and having the guest on that I'm excited to talk to today is because it's Mental Health Health Awareness Month. Uh, I'm very upfront about the fact that I was diagnosed with complex PTSD. I talk about that in my intro. I think sometimes when we talk about our diagnoses, um, people get freaked out. I'm very open with it. I'm very open with the fact that I was, I went through a period of six months of my life where I was suicidal, stemming from my childhood, stemming from uh, the PTSD that I had from my childhood, stemming from a horrific friend breakup, um, of the loss of being able to work in my job because I was having such horrific panic attacks. It was just like one of those things where it was just everything at once. And so in light of that, that's why I started the podcast. And I'm so grateful to be able to share and be open with people about what I struggle with. And I don't honestly, excuse my language, give a rat's ass what people think of me. Because if I can help two people, I say that all the time, every episode, if I have two listeners that are helped, if 
by the stories that they hear or by me sharing my own story, then that's honestly what I'm here on this planet, I think, to do. We've all been put here for a reason, and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age, and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. So in light of that, I am going to introduce my lovely guest, Shaylee Hugendorn. You got it. Which is such a cool name. You <laughs> remind me, it kind of reminds me, or you've got to be Scottish. Are you Scottish? <laughs> my husband, my husband, and he's Dutch. Yeah. He's Dutch. Okay. Because yeah. I was like, hmm, she has the beautiful red hair and oh. she kind of reminds me of the movie Brave. I'm like, yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but I, I found Shaylee because I just one day, sometimes I think of episodes in, in the middle of the night and I go, well, what do I want to talk about next? You know, I'm almost three years into doing this. We all as podcasters sometimes get podcast fatigue. Then I go, should I take time off? And then I go, no, 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 this is, I, I want to talk about this now. Mm-hmm. And because I think I have a responsibility to talk about um, about mental health awareness, I wanted to introduce you to Shaylee because I love her platform and I love what she does. So Shaylee is a mental illness advocate. She's a teacher, a writer, and a podcaster. And she's, I can already tell because we joke because we both say this on our podcast, my new best friend. Welcome to the podcast, Shaylee. Yes. <laughs> How I'll are get you? The friendship bracelets ready. Yeah, please do. Please do. <laughs> um I love I love what you do. So you're you have a podcast yourself and it's called mm-hmm. This is Bipolar. Yeah. And you're so, and I think one of us found each other on social media. It might have been me finding you or vice versa. I think mm-hmm. the in the community what's so great about social media is I think like podcasters and influencers and all of us kind of just really want to support each other. And so we find each other and we just, you know, like each other's posts and share each other's posts. And I think that's the best thing about social mm-hmm. media, but yeah. your, your Instagram is this dot is dot bipolar. So if anyone yeah. wants to follow Shaylee, please do. So welcome. Thank that was you. a long winded intro. No, I love it. I love it. I love talking to other podcasters because sometimes it's so beautiful to be able to talk to your guests, but sometimes like the background stuff can be kind of lonely. So when I talk to another podcaster, I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know what it's like. And sometimes being a podcaster, I've, I have podcasters on sometimes and it's a it's an interesting thing. Um, and I don't know if you get this, but I've been doing this now. I started in uh, in October of 2020 and pretty mm-hmm. much like the, the worst period of my life. It was a yeah. hard time, which mm-hmm. I talked about in the beginning. And people sometimes don't understand when you're a podcaster, it's a very strange feeling because unless people reach out to you on Instagram, which I always tell people, please feel free because I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of see the like list of people listening in other countries or, and you're like, who is listening? Like, who are these people? Do you feel that way? I would love to hear from you on that. Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. Cause when you look at any, like any stats or anything, I'm like, who's in South Africa? Like, who is this? And I, I just, I really love when they, when they connect with me on Instagram. Sometimes I take a little bit to to answer. I used to have a co-host. She's one of my gorgeously beautiful, lovely friends. Um, She has gone on to write another book, but so we did everything together. And so now I've been hosting it a year, a year on my own. And so I'm the only one doing the, the Instagram, but there's such a beautiful community. And I love to answer every message sometimes takes me a while, but um, sometimes people are like, Oh, you probably, you know, because it's, there's a big community there, biggest. Yeah. 
And um, they're like, oh, you probably, uh, you know, heard this already, but this podcast means something to me or whatever. And I'm like, no, every time, every time, every time my heart, every time I get goosebumps that they would trust me with their story. Yeah. Yeah. And what you do is really, really, really important. Um, what I want to start with is you're very open about being diagnosed as bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, you also call yourself a mental illness advocate, which I call mm-hmm. myself a mental health advocate. So I would love to talk about that. Yeah. But the stigma behind bipolar, which is, yeah. has such a, such a, like, I don't know if I want to say negative, if you're okay with that, or oh, 100%. just yes. anytime somebody's like, use says the word bipolar, schizophrenic, mm-hmm. any, mm-hmm. anything having to do with mental health, it's a mm-hmm. really unfair thing because it's yeah. like, if you broke your arm and, or you, you know, had your arm amputated, would you treat somebody like crap? Because yeah one of their, that, that that's just your brain works differently and you might need to be on medication and who really cares. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's mm-hmm. how I see it. But yeah. tell me your story and kind of like where you're from. And if you don't sure. mind kind of telling me your history and how you got diagnosed, let's start there. Sure. sure. Yeah. So I live with bipolar two disorder. There's um, kind of a spectrum of bipolar and bipolar two has more of the deeper depressions and it has a hypomania. So not the full blown mania. And so sometimes people are like, Oh, it's not as bad. And I can tell you that it, it is, it is. Mm-hmm. I am very, very honest about it. Of course, parts of living with bipolar has, you know, given me beautiful opportunities and meeting people, but I'm the type of person that is, there's, I always ask this on my Instagram because I'm so curious, but it's like, would you give it back? And I'm of the side that's like, yes, take it, take it. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And so I think it started back when I was um, looking back when I was a teenager, right? But I was the only girl. My parents thought I was just a teenager, but I had Like they were high highs and low lows, which now having teenage girls, I see that that is a thing, but my parents didn't recognize that mine were a little bit more extreme. And so, um, going on, I'm very cyclical. Some people can be all over the place and not know every day, but I used to be uh, pre-diagnosis, very cyclical. So, um, between November and May with a little jump at Christmas from the excitement, I would be in a deep, deep depression. And then I would come out of it. And I thought that that coming out of it, the hypomania, um, I thought it was all me, right? I didn't. Mm. And that's why it takes very long time. Sometimes it's getting a little bit better, but to get a bipolar two diagnosis, because it isn't the same extreme as mania, right? So with the your brain convinces you to do all the things and the shopping sprees and the, and it, it's a real thing. And it isn't like, Oh, I should go shopping. It's like a demand. And when you're in it, you, you can't see, you can't see past it. But so mine would be like a $200 one, like nothing that would full on destroy relationships or, um, put me into financial ruin. So it wasn't that obvious. And then of course that feels good right? Mm -hmm. Until it doesn't, but that feels way better than depression. So I never went for help when I had, when I was hypomanic. And so I ask you before, sorry to interrupt, but what is the difference between bipolar one and bipolar two? For me, I I honestly don't know the difference. And for my listeners, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. So bipolar one, you get full on mania. And then you can have um, different bouts of depression, um, but generally, and let me tell you, I've talked to a lot of people, but yet there are different experiences, right? Everybody's experience is different, but I've interviewed a lot of people and um, generally the depression isn't as deep or long. Okay. So it is, it's kind of gray. I'm, they're starting to see it more as a spectrum, Mm -hmm. but um, with bipolar two disorder, you rarely, um, you don't get the full blown mania. It's called hypomania. And generally you are more on the depression side. So deeper, longer depressions from what I understand. Yeah. And so I've never had a full mania. When you would have these episodes of mm-hmm. like the spending or the shop, yeah. whatever it was, because I'm a spender, yeah, I love to shop. What is the difference? Like, is it yeah. where you would shop and you would buy like 
three pairs or eight pairs of the same shoes in one set to explain that. Yeah. So maybe I'll step back and explain what it feels like to be hypomanic. Because like you were saying before, the representation of what they're calling more severe or serious mental illnesses like bipolar, like the schizophrenia, the ones that people consider a little bit more scary, Mm -hmm. right? Um, are there's misrepresentation, right? Of course, all stereotypes are based on a little bit, but that is not all of us. There is a huge percentage of us that are act that are not violent, that are not doing these things that you see on TV. I mean, I watch it like running down the street naked, like, like the, the, like, I, I mean, I have interviewed somebody that's brother was homeless and bipolar. Yeah. So that's everybody assumes bipolar schizophrenia. Yeah. And that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it depends if you're treated or untreated, right? Untreated can get get pretty out of control. But I watch these shows and I see there'll be a mom and then all of a sudden she'll be neglectful. And then all of a sudden she's an artist with new boyfriends. And I'm like, they're going to call her bipolar. Let me tell you that I cannot paint. Okay. (laughs) I cannot paint and I can take care of my kids. So, Oh my gosh. That's so true. The people that are, that is so funny. I mean, it is, you have to laugh at that because it's always painting on every show that says somebody's bipolar. Yeah. They're an artist. That's yeah. weird. And so generally there is a lot yeah. of creativity and a lot of ideas for so for, for some of the things that we experience as uh-huh. hypomanic and then it's extreme. I think the problem is, is that people that don't understand is when it's a physical illness, like you were talking about getting amputated, it's people can see it. It's yes. not invisible and we haven't all experienced it. We yeah. use words like depressed and manic and all that uh, OCD, ADHD way too loosely. And we think if you're neuro typical, not having a mental illness, not having disability, um, you think that you might understand, right? Because you felt sad before, but it, mm-hmm. it is different. It is not for a reason. There's no reason, right? I actually have a pretty awesome life. I have what I want and the depressions would come anyways. So hypomania looks like rapid speaking, Okay, you wake up and my whole body's vibrating. I call it my spidey senses, but basically everything is bright, everything is loud, everything, depending on where you are in it, is beautiful sometimes. Everything is exciting. Music is like, you know how you can be touched by a song? It's like every song, I'm like, that is speaking to me. I will text, and I'm talking, this is more extreme pre pre-treatment but it like I'll text everybody Facebook was like horrible because I would be like I need to contact this person from high school so I'm contacting everybody this reminds me of you and then like you crash so you have to train (laughs) you end up ghosting people right like the Taylor Swift song where it's like go I have to make up for ghosting everybody in the room and it's also you have energy, like the amount of energy I my immediately know when I'm turning hypomanic is I have little, little to no sleep. And it's just this uh, almost like, you know, the Energizer bunny. I'm showing my age here, but it just feels like this constant drumbeat of go, go, go. And you're also overwhelmed with the amount of rapid thoughts you have and how fast your brain is moving that you start to do anything that feels good so you're like you're impulsive with the spending right so for example um pre um treatment medication therapy um i would you start to think that um these big ideas but i want to change everything so I want a new wardrobe, but I also want things that I think will sit, solve a problem, right? So say if for some reason I get hyper fixated on my fridge isn't working for me, I'm frustrated, all of this is a mess, uh, I want to like either get an entire new fridge, I'll spend hundreds of dollars on like containers because I think it's going to change my life and make it better, which it can make it better, but I get focused on that. But I want to change everything. I want to redecorate my house. I want to like, I just have all these ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and it's it's so opposite of depression that you're also, for me, I was like, I used to think, well, I have to make up for it because I know I'm going to get depressed again next year. So I'd buy all the things, do all the things, say yes to everything that I couldn't possibly follow through on. And I get a lot of ideas, but what people don't see on TV and what I really like to talk about are the things that, um, 
people don't talk about as much is that the anger that comes with it. And especially Mm -hmm. being a woman and a woman of faith, it's like shameful to be angry, right? We're supposed to be, you know, soft and kind and fixed everything, right? Which I... I don't ascribe to, but I don't like, it's shameful to be angry because you're frustrated. People can't keep up to you, right? People aren't following your ideas because they're too fast. People, it's just, you're, because everything's overwhelming, you're, you're frustrated. You get irritable. Also, sometimes I make decisions too fast or I can see complete disaster with all decisions. So I can't make a decision to save my life. It's just, it's just to the, like, so dramatic, pre-medication. Now I still experience hypomania. In fact, I, I've been sleeping a lot less this week, so I have to do all the things in my toolbox to make sure that I don't get higher. Cause you can see I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just to explain all the things like it's very different than say a, a shopping spree. It's intense. It feels like an order. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't hear voices, but it feels like an order and everything feels urgent and it needs to be done immediately. Let me ask you. So you talk about like not sleeping. Mm. Um, the, the, so did you go through, like, do you go through episodes and when did you get to the point where you were like, there's something there, this, yeah. this is something like I need to go see someone or yeah. what are you, tell yeah. me about that. Are you married? Yes. Like did your, okay. So yeah. tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, I always, I always, I was never someone that was scared of getting help or, uh, any, but I always went for depression. So I was misdiagnosed for years and years with depression. Also when I'm depressed, a way to control it is I have disordered eating, but six months out of the year, I don't, or I didn't. I don't have it anymore. Um, but so I'd get diagnosed with an eating disorder. I'd get diagnosed with all the things in that period because I wouldn't be followed year round to see the other side. And antidepressants actually um, induce hypomania or mania. So what happened for me, so I, I'm living with this like years and years and years and years and years. Fast forward, I'm married. Um, I have two kids. They are uh, two and four or three and five. I don't know. Numbers are hard. And, um, they, after each one, each child, it was getting a little bit more intense. Right. And then, so they were upping this medication, uh, to this antidepressant, this SSRI. And, um, I was getting worse and worse and sleeping less and less. And I was actually, uh, the week I was doing, I used to do like a vacation Bible school. I was like the one on the stage. So that Mm -hmm. was good things can, can heighten bipolar disorder. It isn't just stressful things. So I was having a blast, but I started sleeping less and less and less down to, there was about two weeks where I was sleeping two hours a night and I was desperate. Like I wanted to sleep. I was doing everything. And to have those intense thoughts all through the night and you have no one to talk to because everyone's asleep. And this was just when Facebook was starting. So I didn't have people all over the world with different time zones to talk to. So it's very lonely and overwhelming mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. scary. And so one night VBS ended, vacation Bible school ended. And I thought, okay, that must've been it. I'm going to sleep tonight. And then it's four o'clock in the morning. I can't sleep. And I woke my husband up and I, uh, I actually said this. I said, if I don't sleep, I am going to die. Like we need mm-hmm. to go to emergency. Like, I don't think I am going to perish. I believed it. Like I, I can't anymore. I can't be, in my like alone in my brain and I would be able to take care of my kids in the day and do all the things but at night and alone it when you're not busy I couldn't control the racing thoughts and so my husband the way I live in Canada and there's a very even though we have free health care it doesn't mean that it's awesome there's a year and a half waiting for a psychiatrist so the only other option yeah the only other option is to go to emergency and so I wanted to go to emergency just to get a sleeping pill. I just wanted to sleep at that point. But, you know, they don't just hand out sleeping pills without doing a psyche valve. Yeah. So um, we st- and I wouldn't leave. I was like, I, I was like, I want to stay here until it's figured out. So eventually after hours and hours, like them talking to my husband and me and um, they sent us home with the sleeping pill and I had to come back and talk to a psychiatrist the next day. And so... Um, if I'm completely honest, a lot of people might think this is bizarre, but I, I actually was kind of deep down hoping to be admitted to the psych ward just because I didn't, I kept 
every year. It kept coming back and nobody was helping me and I didn't want to do it anymore. I was done. And so I thought if that's the only way, that's the only way. But um, I didn't. They, I had too much of a support system. I was I don't like this word. I feel like it does hierarchy, but I'm high functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were trying to figure out what to do because they had to wean me off one medicine um, to try another one because it was very clear the medicine wasn't working. And so this bed opened up in this place. It's called, I call it the toothpaste place, which you'll think is funny, but it's a community residential short stay treatment place that I wanted to go to because there could have been really bad side effects, weaning off one and going on another. And so I could come and go. In fact, I didn't even have to stay if I didn't want to, but I was committed. Like I said, I didn't want to feel like this anymore. I didn't want to be angry at my husband. I didn't want to be one or the other extreme. Um, and it was getting worse as I was getting older because what people don't understand either is there are, they can be long periods of it's called euthymia. And that's when we're symptom free. So it isn't, we're not always up or down. It isn't, it isn't just like that. There were long periods uh, of that. And so I went to this place and I stayed there, um, seven days and I saw, I was actually looking excited to go there, which I know sounds bizarre, but I just wanted help. And I knew there was a good psychiatrist there. And I knew that if I went home and didn't go, then it would be a year and a half until I could see a psychiatrist again. And I didn't think I would make it. I didn't think I would okay, make it can I just interrupt you? There's a do, few things. Please do, because I'm talking very fast. No, <laughs> you're not. Number one, yes. Um, I think that's very brave. Number two, mm-hmm. no human being can go without sleep. We yes. just can't, especially being mothers. And if you had a two and four year old, yes, I, right. I, I mean, I know, and I'm very upfront. I'm perimenopausal. We all are in yeah. our forties. You go into yep. whatever next episode. Forty-five. I'm with you. Yeah, we, you, we, you know, we, your hormones, all that stuff. You need. We need sleep as women, yeah. especially mothers. Yeah. Um. So when you don't have sleep, th- that in itself is that's a form of torture. And I yeah. went through this not two hours a night, but like. I went through a period during my lowest time where I was like up all night racing thoughts oh. and the next day I would just be like a wreck and it was so, yeah. it was physically painful. My body was feeling it. I couldn't function. I was drinking too much to put a bandaid mm-hmm. on it, yeah. all the things I was doing. But I think what you're saying is such a brave thing to, to oh. like be so self-aware that you go like, I need to do this and it's okay to say I need help. And I think that's part of the problem is like not enough people can actually say, go to a doctor. I know it's different in the United States and I'm always like, God, I wish, I wish I lived in Canada. I love Canada. They have free mental. I I don't understand why mental health is not something access to a good psychiatrist. Psychologist should be free in every country. Um, but I think what you did, I have to just tell you, was such a brave thing to do. And then my last piggyback question on that yeah. is, do you think that being like going through being like a mom because your kids were young, did anything yeah. with your mental illness or your bipolar? Because I know for me, I struggled with really, really bad postpartum with one of mine. And I'm wondering if that was like a trigger. So I know that's kind of a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. So uh, bipolar disorder is a disorder that isn't, it's very rare cases. It can be triggered by drug and alcohol abuse, but that's very, very small. It's genetic and Mm -hmm. it is a brain disorder. And so definitely things can trigger it. But if you're pre predisposed to it, it generally will come out in your 20s. And there might be something that triggers it. But I had had it for looking back, I can see 17. I can see it clearly when I had my first depression. And so it's not like another a lot of trauma based Mm -hmm. um, illnesses, not that you can't have trauma. And in fact, my therapist actually said, because I was always like, I didn't I've never had big T trauma. And she's like, living with bipolar disorder is trauma. Mm-hmm. It's traumatizing. Not right? sleeping at night no. for no. except for two hours a night. That's yeah. trauma. Yeah. That and is there, like torture. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And they're actually, uh, there's research coming out now that they're almost calling bipolar disorder a sleep and an energy disorder because uh, it's the first thing, I, anybody I talk to, it's one of the first things that you can notice when you're starting to sleep too little, the hypomania mania, when you're starting to sleep too much, depression. I sleep now, I take a medication and I will up that medication with my doctor if I start to feel hypomanic because I know that if I don't get my sleep, it we're very, very easily triggered in an episode. I am so mm -hmm. grateful. I was 32 years old. I lived with it far too long. Um, I'm very, very, very encouraged by um, a lot of my followers and a lot of people that listen to the podcast are getting diagnosed in their 20s. And to me, that's really, really exciting exciting which sounds terrible they were going to have it anyways but exciting that I can look back and I can get stuck in an obsessive and I'm using the word clinically not just throwing mm -hmm. it around because we get um, hyper fixated on things um, I can start to get really upset and think all those years of those six months of depression right I think could have been different but I, I can't go there because I'm here but um, that was a lot like it's mine's a late diagnosis and so definitely to circle back to your question definitely um, having my kids and the messing of the hormones and all of that affected mm -hmm. it yes 100% and I was also because I kept going for diagnosis I was um, diagnosed with postpartum anxiety but when mm. I look now and when they look at it now it was all a part of the the bipolar so yes yes and and no it wouldn't be this the catalyst that caused me to have bipolar disorder generally too they you can probably look back in your family tree and and it is genetic and there is a I think it's 10 or 14 I don't know I'm not good with numbers but there's around there percent chance that my daughter's um, and I have two daughters and not having any more children, but could um, develop bipolar disorder. Hello, Judging Megan podcast listeners. Ready to add a touch of sophistication to your home? Introducing Home Threads, the perfect blend of elegance and comfort for your critical contemplations. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that's refined as your taste. From exclusive designer collections to curated selections, we've got everything you need and always at the best value. I need to tell you, I ordered these gorgeous mugs that I'm obsessed with to go with the coffee machine that I got from Home Threads. And now my problem is I go down the rabbit hole on their site. Like every night I want this new vertical mirror to put in my living room. Their site is so easy to navigate and I love looking. I could look all day. I love decorating and I love getting ideas. Visit homethreads.com forward slash judging Megan today and get a 15% off code for your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. But at least, I mean, I hate to say this, but I can relate to you on the fact that for years, I mean, mine was, mine was based off of situational trauma yeah, um, from childhood and loss. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I always was like, would, I really struggled with situational depression and massive yeah. panic attacks. Yeah. And um, for years and years, like living covering stuff up like hiding yeah. behind oh, yes. like being funny or being yeah. like a certain person until one day like a couple like this was in 2020 okay I literally was like I can't I didn't want to live anymore because I got it got that bad it was like also mm -hmm. brought on by a series of events like I talked yeah. about in the beginning but just to like be kind of given an answer and a strategy yeah. And I was put on medication. I yeah. was on Zoloft for yeah. a, quite a while and I'm not anymore. Um, that yeah. doesn't mean I'm never going to go back on it. And I don't yeah. think like, it's just not for me right now. I'm doing yeah. other things. Um, but I just, I think it must've been when you got to that point where you got put on medication and you go, well, it's okay. Like yeah. what's next and how yeah. am I going to, how am I going to live mm -hmm. with this? Yeah, And so tell me what that was like for you. Like once yeah. you got diagnosed, so, left the hospital and mm -hmm. kind of like lit, went on to live your life with your being a mom, et cetera. 
Yeah, so I went from the hospital to that short stay treatment center. It wasn't mm-hmm. affiliated with the hospital. And then um, they hadn't quite said the word bipolar. They had said mood disorder. And I was still pretty like out of it and it was very confusing. So they didn't ever sit me down and say, you have bipolar disorder. It was a mood disorder. I had to kind of come to it. So it definitely was a both end for me. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying because I know it is a lifelong, there is no cure for bipolar disorder. So regardless of what medication, regardless of what the things that I do, I can do all the self-care, community care. I can use all my strategies and I will have episodes again. I will. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've been grappling with for the 12 years since I've been diagnosed, right? We tend to think healing is linear. We tend to think, um, you know, uh, like a headache, the medicine's going to take it away. And, or people, you know, I even self-stigmatize myself. I'm like, well, you're a mental illness advocate. You talk about it. You know what to do. Why are we here again? Then I'm like, oh, it's chronic. It's lifelong for now, right? Maybe they'll come up with something. And in my opinion, my personal opinion from the amount of people that I've talked to, it is very rare that you can manage bipolar disorder without medication. It is a brain disorder. It is mm-hmm. a it is a chemical one. So I had to wrap my head around. Um, a lot of times I see it stopping people from getting help or going farther on their healing journey when they're like, when am I going to get off with medication, right? When am I going to get off? That's, I didn't start really... Um, you know, healing and using other tools because I kept thinking about that. And now I had to change my mindset was I feel so much better. Like my, um, my episodes are muted. In fact, until 2020, I hadn't had a, a major depression. I've never had one as dark as I did before. And so um, to answer your question, it's, it was a both end. It's always a both end for me. It's, it's, yeah, it was horrible and terrifying and yet freeing. And at least there's a plan. Can I ask you, what do your depressive uh, episodes look like? And you said yeah. they're cyclical. So yep. what, what did those look like for you? Yeah. So it would go, it was what you, it what you would see in regular depressions, but mm-hmm. it was like, it was just numb, like numb or just deeply, deeply sad. And not because anything specific was happening. It comes over me and it's like nothing is ever going to get better. I look around the world and see all the, like, hor- all I can think about are the horrible things that are happening. I can't remember what it's like to enjoy something. I I don't want to participate. Uh, I just... I just think that everyone's better off without me. I used to always say, oh, I never had suicidal thoughts. I never had suicidal thoughts. And then since I've learned about different terms, like suicidal ideation, um, I realize now that wanting to go to sleep until I got better, right? I don't know if that would have been different if I didn't know I was going to snap out of it, right? Those were all like wanting to disappear. Those things, those are suicidal ideation. And in Mm -hmm. fact, it's much more common than we think. And it's very stigmatizing to to talk about it, right? Especially, oh, you have a husband or, oh, you have this. It It's a part of your illness. Your brain lies to you. It tells me I'm a burden. It tells me I'm not a good mom. It tells me I'm not a good wife. It tells me I should abandon everyone because I make their, their life worse. I It wasn't um, as obvious, like you talked about the masking, right? It wasn't as obvious because... Again, I don't like the term, but it's the one they use. I was high functioning and I could get up and do the bare minimum of things I had to get done, right? Like I finished my degree, I would get up and go to school. But the moment anything that wasn't an obligation, I was back in my bed for sure. And so it's just, and your world gets really, really small. You can't see outside of it. I can't remember what it's like to be happy and I'm almost convinced I might never enjoy anything ever again. And it's, it hurts. Like my whole body is lethargic and people say, you know, go for a walk, get in the sunshine. And, and as an advocate, I would say those things too, but what people that have never experienced, and I, I'm not sure about your experience is Mm -hmm. that, okay. That is like telling me to climb Mount Everest. Like 
that's the crappy thing is that the things that make us better are the things that are the hardest to do. And I know people are like, oh, they're lazy or oh, this, or why don't you help yourself when it's impossible? And especially, uh, you know, when... Uh, when people are, you know, the toxic positivity, like I can think myself out of my brain disorder. That is so frustrating. And and just to make you feel better or no, I've been yeah. there and there's nothing worse than somebody not understanding what it feels like being like, why don't you go for like, just go outside, go for a walks. You live at the beach, go sit on the beach. And you're like, but I don't. <laughs> Yeah. I don't want to move right now. Like yeah. I barely want to even live. I mean, that's yeah. my situation. Yes. It's hard to breathe. Um, like yeah, I it was hard. Walk. I didn't want to be in my own body. I didn't want to be in my yeah. own head when I was at my lowest point. Yes. I didn't. The fact that, and I, I'll ask you this cause I have two girls too. Yeah. And I talk about this and it's a little bit different, but this was at my lowest point. The fact that I try, I, all I ever wanted my entire life was to be a mom. And I wanted two daughters. I wanted to be a girl mom. I knew I was going to be a girl mom. And I have these, like, I had my babies. I mean, they were still young at the time. So 2020, so my, my oldest is nine. So she was like, you know, like six, like sitting on a beach being like, I, get me out of here. And like you, like people on paper will be like, your life looks great. Like people see my, and I think that's why I'm so open. I don't know about you, but about social media and talking about my stuff, because I know on paper, or if you see a picture of me, like in my family, Mm -hmm. you're like, wow, what a great life. Mm -hmm. But that people that struggle with, um, with mental illness or in my case, like PTSD, complex PTSD, anything like that. People don't, it doesn't matter what you have, how much money you have, where you live. Nope. Like if you're flying on private jets, like, and you have everything in the world, it is something in your brain and you just can't escape it. And you can run, but you can't hide sister. Right. Yep. Yep. I hear you. And I, that was really powerful. What you said, you didn't want to be in your body and didn't want to be in your Mm -hmm. head. Uh, amen 100% all the things like yes that's exactly that's that's how it feels like and I think I think it's human nature to want to make people feel better but I tell my kids and in fact in our family we're we're not allowed to say at least nothing helpful and validating comes after at least right like well, at least explain that what do you mean by that that's okay. interesting so for example I'm going to Brene Brown this situation. Go for Um, it. For example, like, okay, so for, this will be extreme example and then another. So say you're someone that has um, suffered with miscarriage, but you have another child. Well, at least you have one child, right? Or for example, at least you have, like, at least you have, that shuts the conversation down immediately. I'm not going to tell you, same with like, oh, well, at least you have a husband and two kids and, you know, you're okay then. It's like, I haven't found a situation where at least doesn't invalidate an experience. And so we just, we just don't say it in your family. We, you know, we just say that sounds hard. That's one of the most magical phrases you could ever use. And I have, um, if your listeners are curious, we have episodes, um, especially when I had Julie on, but where it specifically talks about words that hurt and words that help. And a lot of things we help people, how we think people want help. And, if you don't understand mental illness, it is usually not how you think people need help. And, you know, I just really struggled. That's, does that make sense with the, the, at least? Oh my God. Yes. I mean, a hundred percent, at least I'm never using it again. I really Yay. am going to try and not use it. No, it's because hard. it's true. It's so true. It's almost like, you know, when I talk about, I talk a lot about loss and grief on the podcast yeah. because I've gone through quite a bit, but, um, and I have like 75% of my guests talk about loss or yeah. going through some kind of loss. Yeah. And it's kind of along the same lines as somebody saying, um, well, I know how that feels because I lost my great aunt like two summers ago. Yeah. If it's like your parent, you know, yeah. it's kind yeah. of like belittling and who knows what the relationship and I hate to like say it because they could have been raised by their great aunt, but yeah. it's kind of along those same lines, you know? Yeah. yeah. You center yourself, 
right? Mm -hmm. Like if you start to, and people think, oh, I just, we want to connect, right? That's our, that's our instinct. We want to connect, but people are not going to open up more and people are not. And sometimes just, you know, leaving it quiet or saying that's hard, or I could, you know, it, especially when people that, uh, you know, I've been sad before it, I get that it's well-intentioned, but it it just doesn't help. I'm not going to talk to you more about it because I'm just, I'm not going to feel like you want to understand my specific situation. Right. And when I talk like this, I'm also preaching to the choir. Like it is hard for even me to do. And I say, don't, you know, try not to do this. Don't do this. It, we want to connect, but honestly, from the thousands of people that I connect with on the internet and through the podcast, uh, one of the most magical phrases is that sounds hard. That That sounds sounds hard. hard. You just taught me like my new favorite phrase. That sounds hard. I'm writing it down. Um, Can you tell me when you have, so you started this, your podcast. Why did you decide to start a podcast? Okay. So 2020 world shuts Uh down. Yeah. March 30th is World Bipolar Day. It is Vincent Van Gogh's birthday. He was, um, uh, they speculate that he had bipolar disorder. So it's on his birthday. So Julie. Well, he was a painter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did he have kids and abandon them for a boyfriend? I don't know. That's so funny. Yes, he was a painter. Um, And he, you know, the more you read about his life and and, Uh and all of those things, but I, I I digress. Like I'm like sparkly things. (laughs) Um, So Julie and I were going, Hey, we had met each other online and I, I knew she lived in, in the area that I live in. And we're like, Hey, the world shut down. Let's do a collaboration for world bipolar day. Yeah. Okay. Let's get on FaceTime. And um, by the end of that FaceTime, a two hour FaceTime, we had a show. And so it was a, a little bit of uh, hypomanic energy and it was an example of how we harnessed it to do something good because we are both treated. And so we, yeah, it just became a show. And then we, um, we wanted to make sure, and this is one of my strategies to make sure it was sustainable. We checked in with our people um, because sometimes we have a lot of ideas and we're not going to be able to follow through on it. Right. Um, cause that's another thing with hypomania mania. You actually think that you are good at like everything. Like mm-hmm. I, I would be getting like jobs or I would, um, you know, be selling the candles or whatever, because I, I, people gravitate towards you. You're excited. You're, you know, I feel like I could sell anything. People apply for jobs and actually convince people that they can do them when they're manic or hypomanic sometimes, because we're so confident. So we wanted to check with our people that this was something that was feasible. This is something we could do because both her and I, when we were diagnosed and we, funnily enough, both in 2010, um, there weren't faces out there. There weren't voices out there. It was doom and gloom on the internet. And Mm -hmm. so that's why we didn't do only voices. We also put the video either on Instagram or or YouTube because I wanted to see a face of someone Right. Besides the ones I'm seeing on television, that's telling me that I am violent. I am, um, you know, I'm all over the place uh, that I can't, you know, can't take care of myself or others. And so we yeah, she she's an artist, funnily enough, and she does paint. So we bug her. She also has written a book, but she made all our graphics and I'm uh, I loved the social media marketing. So we just worked together and then we launched it in um, May of uh, 2020. So it's been three years. We launched it because it's Mental Health Awareness Month and we've just been going ever since. And then I kind of branched off. I, her and I would do just her and I talking and then what, because we do twice a month because again, we wanted it to be feasible because we both had other jobs. I'm a teacher, an elementary school teacher, substitute, and I speak. And so what grade do you teach? So I am a substitute teacher because Uh y'all teachers work too hard. I know. Kudos for the teachers. And so I I knew when I had kids, it would be too much for me. And I am privileged enough that I don't have to work full time. And so, but I like the littles, K to three. Love littles. K to three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can do all the way up to high school, but they're scary. So I do not. Oh God. Yeah. I I work my daughters in third grade. Those ages are so sweet. I love K to three. They still like you. They still like you. They don't smell yet. You know, totally. like they don't have BO. Totally. They, yeah. Yeah. Totally. totally. And they're, yeah. And they're honest. 
They, yes. they're, they're honest. And I love it because I don't have an inner monologue. I am, I say, uh, you know, I, it's better now, but I say what I'm saying is what I'm saying. I don't know how to play the girl games. I never, I never did. Right. What people would call some, some girl things, or I, I don't understand passive aggressive. I, I, I would miss that totally because, mm-hmm. uh, and I love that about kids. What they say is what they mean. And I love Yeah, that. it's true. If we I could all just guess. hang out with kids all day, it would be great. And they think they're good at everything. Like they're, we, yeah. we, they start to lose it. You notice it as they get four, five, six, seven, they start to not think they all think they're artists. They all think they're scientists, right? They, they I love that. I think, but that then something cool. happens to us as people. And that's the sad part. And mm-hmm. it makes me sad. The innocence yeah. of children is pretty remarkable. Um, let me ask you, Yeah, I know we're getting close to the end, but I wanted to ask you what it's like, kind of like having people judge you, yeah. you know, no pun intended, by the way, Megan, judge, <laughs> judging Megan. Nice. No, but just knowing, you know, I'm very open with my story. I live in yep. a beach community. It's not nice. huge. I'm sure anybody can like look yeah, if I'm that all knows over me, might know. Yeah, where I'm all over the internet, and they can immediately find out that I'm that yeah. I like say, oh, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD. Yeah. Here's my story. I was suicidal. Blah blah blah. Whatever they think, yeah. and then sometimes it's I'm like, do they think I'm crazy? Like, do yeah. they? My I kind of go into my head, you yeah. know, not knowing like what, and maybe they're not even thinking anything about it, but. I don't know. I'm curious as to know what, how you go through everyday life with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually say that it is easier to tell the entire interwebs than sometimes Mm -hmm. in personal situations. And so I always feel like, I always feel like I need to, they need to know me a little bit first. Like, I feel like I need to, I feel this intense pressure to represent. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I just, I have this phrase and one of my person I interviewed, her name is Sharice Jewell. And she, um, because the reactions are hard when you tell someone and I had to decide if I tell people I have a podcast, cause it's pretty obvious if I tell people what my podcast is called, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I knew when I was putting it out there that it, this is bipolar. It isn't like I talk about mental health, right? Which is beautiful. But I was saying yeah. full on, this was my focus, right? I wanted to be, I can talk about all the other things, but even the folks that I interview either work with, or they have lived experience with bipolar disorder. I just wanted to just focus in. But if I tell people my podcast, I have to be ready for that conversation. But back to Sharice Jewell, she, because sometimes you get really hard reactions and rightly so people don't know how to react. And she does this thing where she says, and I have stolen it where Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, but I live with bipolar disorder because you're generous enough to give people a, a, an answer. So they like, they can say yes, or they can say no. So you're giving them some, you're giving them an opportunity to react instead of maybe off the cuff or whatever. And they might still react badly, but it's, it's almost, uh, you know, in case someone does the shock thing, which hurts or for their first thing that they say is, Oh, I would have never thought, right. Which is mm-hmm. like really painful for me to hear. So to answer your question, it it's both end. I, I don't have black and white answers. It can be, I'm very, very open. Um, I'm pumped about the next generation. My kids, uh, my kid, my kid did a presentation and she's in high school, right? Like it's kids are, it's becoming more open. And so sometimes depending on the situation, I kind of feel out where I'm at and the vibe. And sometimes I'll just say anxiety and depression. If I feel like it's a, crowd or folks or um or if I want to protect myself in that situation I'll say anxiety and depression because that's a little bit more um understood and a little bit little bit more mm-hmm. accepted um or I'll say mood disorder because people are afraid of the big b word right but a lot of times I I just I just go there because I kind of feel like if I'm going to go on the internet and I'm going to call myself you know, an advocate or an activist, even then uh, I'm going to, if there's an opportunity, I'm going to try my best to, to show up in that way. And so I try to tell myself and 
hello, overthinking what you were just talking about. I can Mm -hmm. overthink sometimes, but I try to tell myself what people think about me is none of my business unless they're in my close circle. And a lot of times people like we get in our own heads. I know I do. And they're not even like saying anything, but it's like, if you put yourself out there, I struggle sometimes because I, I don't care. Like I said in the beginning, I don't really care what people think of me, but I guess I do if I know that people are saying something about me that's not true and like spreading it around. I know. I know. I get wound is being like my core wound is being misunderstood because I felt misunderstood most of my life. So I have spent or somebody using the C word about you saying not the. Yeah. Not the other one, but crazy. They're just yeah. like, oh, she's crazy. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. crazy. And it's like, yeah. well, you're not crazy. It's yeah. just that yeah. your brain works a little bit differently and you need to be put on medication because yeah. there's certain things in your brain that aren't functioning the same yeah. as, some, as somebody just else's. Like diabetes, right? Like insulin. We yeah. wouldn't say, oh, you're weak. Don't take your uh-huh. insulin. Right? hundred percent. I think it's both, right? Because I can see the way we're talking, like we're confident people, but it mm-hmm. it depends, right? Like I can, I'm more of a really confident, but then sometimes depending on the episodes I'm in mm-hmm. or whether I'm euthymic, I, I can, I go away and then ruminate and overthink and make up stories in my head and loop right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm blunt, because being hypomanic, I just say the thing, I'll go home and I'll be like, oh my gosh, my biggest thing I worry about is being judged as a mother. That's Mm. a hard, that's a hard one for me because, Mm -hmm. you know, I know there's people with um, severe bipolar one disorder that have chosen not to have kids. And I completely respect that. And I know there's a lot of people um, in that camp, but also like, sometimes I think people assume Right. So I get a little bit, I used to, when the kids were little, get a little bit more nervous about like, you know, the, the moms. Cause I was a PTA mom. I was that. And I've gotten a lot in my life. Um, you know, you don't look like, or I would have never guessed, which people think is a compliment and it is not because it just tells no. <laughs> how much stigma we have to, how to much live. work we have to do. How much work we have to do. And my, and again, mine's different. I know that it's like, well, but I really don't think that, I think that they're all different in different ways. And that's why I told you in the beginning, I want to do a series on understanding each one, each each bipolar, like uh, uh, schizophrenia, because people, people are afraid. It's like being prejudiced. People are afraid of what they do not understand. So it's like living or working with somebody, they say, is the way to get over being prejudiced or not understanding something. Proximity, right? If you don't know anyone, then you're going to have an idea in your head. And it fr- frustrates me when, um, no, I wouldn't say frustrates. Like it, it's disappointing that folks think, oh, I don't have bipolar. I'm not going to listen to her podcast or I don't know anybody in your life. And I can guarantee you that you probably know someone that's on a mood disorder spectrum that isn't talking about it. And I think like, I want to go and listen to people with lived experience because as much awesome as doctors are, and we need all those things, we know more about the illness in terms of how it's lived out. And I think if you're someone listening thinking, well, yeah, I don't know anyone or how can I uh, be more inclusive or how can I be uh, more kind to those that struggle? get to know some, especially there are so many people you can follow online. Um, if you don't know anybody in your life and I'm telling you, we're one in four that have mental illness. You I guarantee know people, you I know guarantee someone. all of my listeners know someone. Yes. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important and not everybody talks about what their struggles are, but I think that's why you and I both do what we do because the, the more, like I say this a lot on the podcast, the more that people talk about their struggles, Yes. The, it's like lighting a fire, right? You're yeah. Taking the two sticks, not like I've ever been able to actually do this with the two <laughs> sticks and re- light a fire, but then you're, t- you're, you're moving the conversation yeah. to the direction where people become more inclusive and under and try to understand because yeah. maybe you don't have bipolar, maybe you don't have schizophrenia, maybe you don't have, you don't have major depressive disorder or borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. or any of these, but I guarantee you know somebody that does. 
And, um, and just in this hour long conversation, I learned a great deal from you on what to say and what not to say and what it means. Cause I didn't really understand it. Yeah. It's part of why I do this. It's selfish. Cause I want to understand it. I say that so, all the time. It's, yeah. I, I kind of feel like people are like, thank you. And I'm like, it's kind of more no, thank for you. me. It's yeah. more healing for me just to yeah. be seen. And the power, I know we say it all the time, but the power of the me too and the I see you. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's life changing. You just need one person to see you for who you are and accept you for all that you are. Well, I... I just think you're wonderful and I learned so much from you today and I guarantee my listeners did as well and I truly mean like that it was a true honor to have you come on and talk about your story and your experience. I love following you. I think of the movie Brave when I look at you and your name Um, and just keep doing what you're doing because we need more of us, right? That are going to just break the stigma and be advocates of uh, mental health and mental illness. And um, I just think you're wonderful. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, bestie. I know, new bestie. We need <laughs> necklaces. Um, in closing, everyone, be happy by making other people happy. Thank you. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. Thank you.